When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Because he had a position of faith, of spiritual leader, confidant for a lot of people within a confessional that were doing things that were morally against their being, their ideas. But he was encouraging. He was saying it was okay. He gave them permission. Once somebody goes beyond that limit, once they've gone and done whatever that fantasy is that they've confessed within a confessional, do you feel that is a kind of mentoring, a release of something within an individual that allows them to think that this behavior is okay and it may continue? I have two thoughts because it's a kind of complicated question. So you're saying that the young priest who just came out of seminary and if the priest says this is okay, is he potentially very much manipulated by that elder priest? Not just priest. I mean, there were a variety of different people, but what I'm saying is no matter where he connected with them, if he is bringing them, which they considered, and I'm going to say from what I remember, this was a safe place. This was better than being out on the street. So if he brings someone to a place that is safe, is protected by him, is affirmed by him, if someone does something that is against their particular morals, that is what they may have even gone into a confessional to say that they struggle with, these fantasies are nothing. To act them out is different. Right. So if someone was in a room acting out a fantasy, that he has now said, this is the way that you work it. And I had one man in the room doing that. And this is how you will get beyond it. Once they act it out, once they're given permission by the person that they go to for the final blessing, have you opened the door for them to start doing more of that? Or is that possibly just the only time they would do it? What happens within the mind of the person who has now violated their own moral code? You have a person who's never done this. You've got a person with religious authority who says, this is okay, this is how we do it. And now, and because the person is sexually, has been abstinent or whatever, and they they have a lot of 
strong sexual tension built up and now they act something out. Now they've done it. And I think uh, it's possible that they get trapped in their own psychology at that point where now I've crossed the line. Now I've done something really wrong and maybe there's no turning back or maybe the way to deal with my guilt is to do it again and justify it again. I think people can get stuck in a cycle as they try to cope with their guilt, where they can get into a repetition compulsion to do it again, to overcome their guilt in a kind of backwards way. So I'll justify it again because I'll take what he said and I'll tell myself that again. And now I've made it okay again, but it's really not okay, but maybe it is. And I'll do it again to prove to myself that it is. There's some kind of twisted compulsive behavior that people can sometimes get into when they've done something wrong, where instead of sitting with the guilt, they feel compelled to do it again to try to override the guilt, if that makes any sense. Yes, I personally think that that answers it for me, 100%. It's, there is a variety of different reactions someone would have if they were given permission to do their wildest fantasy. And if they do that fantasy and they still feel guilty, but who they would go to in order to be relieved of the guilt is the person who told them it was okay to do it, I would imagine then they are dealing with just their God. (laughs) And that would either be, I will never do that again, or I need to do it again, or I liked it, or he has it now in a black book and now he knows that was the very last point that you raised. And then thinking about how calculated and manipulative the leaders of this ring, maybe you didn't see it. Maybe it was when you left the room where one of these guys in authority said, hey, now you're with us. You try to get out and we're going to expose. I have always felt there was a black book, Dr. Lactor. I don't know why. I believe I must have seen one. But I have always felt from the very beginning that he had a black book and anyone who did anything in that room or wherever he took any of us girls were in that book. And that that became, I think that, I think he was, I always said he was a genius. My therapist says, no, he was a criminal genius. It's was a kind of, he was a master criminal genius. But I, I, I believe that he knew very well what he was doing and he used everything that he did. Did he, did he have any kind of, hidden camera crap going on? I don't believe there was any of that. I don't know. I personally was not aware of it as of now to this point. That's what they would do now. When when everything you just described, where he encourages and manipulates and uses sexual seduction to to lure more people into co-perpetrating, now they would have a hidden camera going to be able to blackmail that person and be able to. I don't think that this guy was necessarily very smart. He might have been, who knows. But I think that when you've given yourself over to evil, made it okay, when you bought, when you embrace the exploitation of others, you cross the first line that you're talking about these new guys crossing. But when you cross a later line where you're like, Everything I do is okay with me, and I'm very happy doing this to the... I don't care about anybody's feelings but my own desires. Once you move into that kind of mindset, I don't think it takes a lot of intelligence to do the kinds of evil that he did. I think that it's people like you and me 
change, Emma. We have trouble understanding how they think. We can't really put ourselves in their shoes. It's just too hard to imagine it. But these are not brilliant moves. This isn't astrophysics. This isn't organic chemistry. This isn't calculus. This is pretty simple, how to terrorize somebody, threaten somebody. This is just evil. I wouldn't give them too much mental credit. You're probably a lot smarter. And it doesn't even matter. What you are is you're good. The good is the only thing that really matters. This guy is dead. And I believe he is stuck in having to feel everything he did to all of his victims now. When you get really old and you're getting ready to die, you're going to look back and you're going to say, I was good. That's all that matters. I don't know that I've ever discussed this with Jean, and I don't know how significant it is, but I have talked to women who are survivors of Maskell at Keogh who shared with me that a Polaroid camera was used because, of course, the kinds of pictures he was taking of them would never have been permitted to be developed in a camera shop. The girls who were in the Polaroids were drugged. And so he used those pictures. He took them out of a file with the girl's name on it and showed them the pictures as an emotional kind of blackmail. Otherwise, they would have had no idea what he was having them do. I've also talked to survivors of Maskell from a daycare center in another parish where three and four-year-olds were blindfolded and he made videos of those children and they told me they had no idea what they were doing. None of it made sense. And he was forcing them to position themselves in different ways with each other and using like a Super 8 movie camera that a lot of families had to make movies of them. And I've often wondered if that might have been some of the trophies that he had buried in the Holy Cross Cemetery. I guess we'll never know. But Gene, yeah, he did use photography. Yeah. I had pictures taken of me, and it was with a Kodak instant film thing. When I started to remember Magnus, the first thing I said to, to Father Art was when he told me Magnus had been dead in his apartment for three days before he was found. First thing I asked him, because I'd already remembered this, were there pictures there? And I wanted so badly, being so embarrassed and humiliated, what they were exactly like what was found the box that was found or spoken of from the burial. And one of the things that I felt was I was not surprised that one box went missing because I had told the archdiocese and the lawyers about being having pictures taken with their shirts open. And I wondered, is one of those pictures mine? Well, was one of those pictures mine? That would have validated what I had been telling them. And instead it went missing. Yes, I do know of the pictures that we're taking. I do know it was early one for me. It was like after the confessional when Magnus was very much involved still with it all, more so than anything I remembered when Maskell started to really get more involved. But I, yeah, I, and I suspect that I could have very well been a picture in that box. In our ongoing journey, dissecting real life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey. As someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. 
In June's journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. And join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. Dr. Lachter, Jean had brought this up a minute ago, and I wanted to ask you for your opinion. When Jean was talking about how angry he became after Kathy mentioned that she knew, in your mind, could an abuser, with everything that you know about him from this scenario and from what you've seen in The Keepers, is it possible that an abuser who is used to abusing would resort to something like murder? Could their anger build up to that? Of course. Could it? Yes. Sure. If you think about everything that he did to terrorize and silence, and then we've got Jean's memory of being taken to the body and the whole a coroner saying there were maggots, right? So there's not supposed to be maggots in the winter, but Jean sees them, and then the coroner finds them. For God's sakes. I wanted to back up just a little bit. Earlier, we were talking about dissociative. When you watched The Keepers, you saw the mid-90s trial with the Doro case, and the words repressed memory was constantly being brought up during that period of time. Is this a diagnosis? Is repressed memory an official diagnosis? Is it a true psychological phenomenon that people, in when undergoing horrible trauma, would, I would say, dissociate it? Would probably be a more descriptive word than repress. Yes. How else is a kid supposed to get through the day? Absolutely. It's just... We all experience it in one way or the other whenever something horrible happens. When my father died all of a sudden, I was like 37 years old or something. He had a cardiologist, but he was pretty in pretty good shape. We had no idea he was just going to die. And he just died. And I felt like somebody just punched me with all their might right in the chest. And I remember trying to dissociate. I wasn't too successful because I didn't have to learn how to do that as a young child, but I deliberately tried to shift my mind to other thoughts because it, I couldn't stand being punched in the chest over and over one second after the next. So I, I busied my mind with something else. That's like a very easy to understand, maybe first step to the process. You busy your mind with something else. I've had little kids tell me, I pushed, pushed it down. Like this little girl, I said, okay, he did this to you right when school ended, but you didn't tell anybody until you went back to school in September. What did you do with this over the summer? What did you do? She goes, I pushed pushed it down in my mind. Anybody who wants to say there's no such thing as repressing, suppressing, dissociating, whatever verb you want to use, 
a horrible memory. It's, give me a break. What is your agenda is how I feel, what I want to say to that person. Like, why would you argue that? Aren't you a human? Haven't you lived on this earth? Haven't you ever had anything happen that you couldn't stand thinking about and you tried to push it out of your mind? And then later recovering the memory, especially when it's something huge that really hurt you a lot, it's always back there. I always think of it as scratching at the back door. I like Jean's little metaphor of the garbage pan pail holding the lid down, but there's a giant pile of garbage in there. It exists. And it's bubbling up, started to ferment. It's pushing up and it's harder and harder to push it down. And maybe you're old enough and strong enough to move it over a little bit and let a little bit out, but then it hurts like hell or it's humiliating or it makes you hate yourself or in Jean's case, makes you believe that you're sexually wrong person for the sexual wrongs that were done to you. Just can't stand what they made her believe. So yes, the memories come back. Is that a recovered memory? Yeah, it's a recovered memory. Is it a memory that's now being integrated? Yes. Is it no longer dissociated? Yes. Call it whatever you want. Do you want to mock the term recovered memory and that now becomes conspiracy theory term we have to use? That's okay. I got 20 other words I can use to describe it. When someone is suffering from repressed memory, what would be the official diagnosis? Dissociative amnesia or dissociative identity disorder or PTSD even includes a whole cluster of what can be thought of as dissociative responses. So with PTSD, you've got intrusion responses and the avoidance responses. The intrusions are when the garbage pail lid moves over and it pops out. And the avoidance responses are when you're holding the lid down and now you're numb and checked out and don't experience emotions and all of those kinds of things. You can't stand to think about what happened. All of it's dissociation. I like the word dissociation better than repress. But there may be a day where the Freudian terms repression and suppression are replaced with deeper understanding of dissociation, talking about the associative responses. One of the things that I would say to that is, as I worked through all this up to now, it was like boxes. I would get to a certain point where I realized that that part went in a box. I dissociated from that. I do that more than repress this all together. Really, truly, work that I have experienced in the inner findings, it really is as if it's been put in different. They weren't even aware of each other. It's not like it's all just pushed down. When I think about the trash can, it's as if I became so vile. I became so horrendous to myself that it was as if I ripped my arm off and threw it in a trash can. And so that was my leaving that school. That was the severing of a part of me. And so as I started to find different things and parts, and I did find that I had to in some way open up the trash can and bring that arm out as talk about the maggots and the and try to bring it back to life in order to reconnect it to myself in order to, and it was a long, painful process. And I say to all those other survivors out there, it was in the long run worth it. In the midst of it, it was torturous, but not as torturous as what had it been done to me. I continue to do it, but I do feel that what you're saying, I like the dissociative 
different than repressed. Sometimes repressed is just the habit of playing that. But repressing it seems as if I put pushed it all down in the same place. But it really did seem to be fragmented and more so than all within one spot. Repression suggests more of an, an active effort with some volition. And right. a association can happen automatically in the moment. Yes. About as soon as, when the, as soon as the door clicked, it was gone. Yes. And that can be also the hypnotic part of it. I don't mean to interrupt, but the hypnotic part works with that dissociative. Also, the drugs. Yes. There's a number of things he was doing technically that was feeding more into that dissociating. Repression suggests some volition. And that it begins as a conscious act of this is unacceptable and I push it down. But no, it can be actually registered separately initially. I think we're moving more and more toward talking about dissociative processes and less about repression and suppression. And the bad guys are making fun of repressed memory phrases, repressed memories. Well, let's talk, let's do something else. They make fun of dissociations. Of course, they're going to attack everything. Our descriptions always win out because they make so much sense. Dr. Lachter, when you watched The Keepers, you saw during the 90s trial with the Doro case, they were talking about at least the... Repressed memory, recovered memory. Exactly. False memory. What was your impression when you saw that? And can you explain to me what is false memory syndrome? No such thing. It's an invented syndrome by the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. They created the term. They tried to make it sound like an official syndrome. It's not a syndrome. A syndrome is a genuine condition, like a set of medical symptoms or a set of psychological symptoms. What they were claiming it was is when somebody believes something that is not true as a result of influence, usually by a therapist or by something that a person read or by other patients or some kind of uh, outside source of influence. And now the person has a memory of abuse that is not true. So this term isn't accepted? It's propaganda. It's not a syndrome. It's a political maneuver. It's not real. I'm not saying that it never happens that a person thinks some abuse happened to them that didn't happen. In rare instances, that does happen. In rare instances. But the agenda of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation was to discredit recovered memories across the board, to discredit dissociative identity disorder to discredit ever repressing any memory, to discredit ritual abuse. They love to know that one. And to discredit people like me. I've been (laughs) their newsletter and I'm so proud. Really, you know, it's, oh boy, I finally made the big times. But when people say, how do we know that you're clean? How do we know that you're not a dirty therapist? You're not an abuser just trying to manipulate us and get us into your office so you can mind control. Check out my enemies and go read about it and call me again. I have the right enemies. Right. I'm so proud of that. Can we sell tickets to a one-on-one conversation with you and Paul McHugh? Oh, my God. I'd have to really prepare for that. because I'm betting on you, sweetie. Depending on me, it's kind of ask hell, right? Think about how carefully he engineered and planned everything he did. So McHugh would do that. So I'd have to be ready for every single maneuver. 
I wish I could have done that for Jean when she was 16 years old. If she, if she knew what he was going to do and how he was going to try to manipulate her mind and somebody would have prepared her for evil, what evil looks like and how it acts and how it tries to make you believe about yourself, it could have helped her some. It, unfortunately, it couldn't help her 100% because he still would have had her locked in that room. Somebody had to get her the hell out of there. But yeah. Kathy says Nick cried. Yeah, that's right. That's very sad. There's something about her face. And like, even in her letter, this, you, this is the sweetest, most real person. It's just the saddest, saddest thing. She's just a sweetheart. And I'm going to say this too, because I feel like this I had to come to terms with. I was very angry with her when I first started remembering coming from the teenager. And others may feel this, others who were in the same situation. And I have to believe I wasn't alone. I feel that she outed me, that, that here I had been able to keep this all contained. For, and then the next thing I know, he is furious with me because someone had said some. I had to come to terms with this amazing anger that if I had never had nodded my head to her, I wouldn't have been in this worst situation. Yeah. So understanding that and saying that out loud to others that is part of the problem. It's like we, we believe that's the real feeling. It's not. It's, it is all we knew at the age of 16 or 15 because we thought, I thought she would save me from this. Attention, friends. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with mylifeinabook.com. Each week, mylifeinabook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And then she's gone and just at another school. And now I'm left with this man who now is enraged. I have to say that what I had to do through the years is come to realize that, that she was an innocent also. That's right. That she was very naive, that she had no idea what she was up against, and that none of us did. And they still want to act as if it was simple and it was nothing. It was a it was like a mafia group. Exactly. And she had no idea. So she was another innocent. She was just as naive. She thought she could say something and it would stop. And instead I think that she found out it was still going on, and I think she was ready to do more, and that was not going to happen. But I do want to say that so others can hear. I was furious. When I connected with that teenager, I was so angry, and that also became my guilt that he fed on that I then caused her death because I wasn't aware of what that anger was, but he was. And so... I think that there were so many different mechanisms here that he was plugging into. And he was like, he had this, I think of the guy behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz. We're not even aware of how much he knew that would be a trigger for me. And then the next thing you know, it was being used to make me even feel more guilty about her death. I want to paraphrase just in case, you know, just to highlight what you said and to make sure everybody understands. So you're saying that, of course, you felt angry because her actions and your survival, psychological integrity, everything, your well-being so badly, you're in a much deeper state of terror. And he knew that you were mad at her and exploited that to make you feel even more responsible for her death, which is just so evil. It's just so, of course, you're going to be angry because you're just trying to survive another day. You're going to be angry at anything that threatens that. It's just an emotional reaction, right? I thought it was going to be over. And instead, he's telling me someone told him. And and again, I only remember what I remember. But with the memory, the work has gone into deeper levels of the memory. So I get to, when I'm ready, feel what it feels like to be in that room being told that. And feel and start to deal with, because I can't even believe that I would be angry at her, but I was so angry. It was like she had deceived me. She had done something to make this even worse instead of stopping it. Because you're still left in your own mind and you're, I thought it was going to be over. I don't know. I don't even understand what that all means other than he was very clear 
it wasn't just going to be over. It was going to get worse. Survivors who are listening, especially of this particular type of abuse, there's a lot of emotions that we were going through that were just normal 15, 16-year-old emotions. And I do think that we need to keep saying that to people so they understand that we had our normal emotions going on. Meanwhile, absolutely, she was my savior in a very short span of time. And I had felt I was keeping it all under control and keeping it at a certain pace. And when I was addressed by her and I acknowledged something to her, it went from four to ten. She was not dead. She was just gone. But what she also did, Dr. Lachter, is for those who may feel they're in a position of being able to speak up for someone, she planted a seed within me. The seed was something's not right with this because she cared enough to address me. So that seed, I really would never have called it abuse. I never would have said, because I had, I thought I deserved it. This was just behavior that I deserved. And to me, the seed of those who can risk enough, ask, and to be there for somebody is look where it took me. So the seed within me of her caring enough to ask me, how was I? Yes. I was more than anything I could ever have wanted more from her. I have found from people, whether they know me, didn't know me, or they're just sharing through the work that I do, that people who have been severely abused tend to have a sixth sense. They've been pushed into another dimension of themselves with a spiritual depth or more of a sense of a, a high sensitivity, painful to a certain degree if you don't know that it's almost like another, it's another coping of sorts. But it's like this high level of sensitivity. And so for me, I feel that as I've gotten healthier, as I've gotten more integrated, I'm starting to see that helps to balance out the addictions that or the fears or the other things that remind me of that time. I'm starting to embrace this intuition, this other part, more wholeheartedly as maybe the gift. That has. Do you see this in the work you do or, or the people that you have worked with? I definitely think survivors have a depth. People who have not been exposed to these horrors don't have. They understand pain. They can tolerate other people's pain. They can hear horrible things that other people don't want to hear. They don't hit people with all these positivities, euphemisms, patronizing little happy remarks. They can tune in. Other people can, if survivor meets a survivor, they can very quickly know somebody I don't have to BS with. Here's somebody I can, if they ask me how I am, I can answer the question honestly instead of saying fine. So there's definitely a tremendous depth of understanding of everything, love and evil, that I feel survivors have and a greater sensitivity to everything aware awareness of what's happening around them awareness of bad things that are happening around them awareness of people who are hurting around them definitely deeply intuitive sensitive but i think also often a little beyond that or a lot beyond that survivors also often have experiences of spiritual good 
that are available to other people in the middle of horrible abuse, having had a spiritual experience that gave them hope and love and protection in the middle of all of this. I believe those experiences are real. I don't think they're just imagined. I don't think they're psychological defenses. I think they actually happen. I think there's something of a near-death experience. Those are also very often profound experiences of love. Thank you definitely, Dr. Lachter, for joining us. It was great having you as well as Jean here to discuss all of this with us. I would like our listeners to go visit a coloring book that you have. I believe you, you've you called it a coloring book of healing images, collartoheal.com. It's a beautiful book. It's very it loving. It's not psychobabble. It's not technical language. It's very encouraging and almost poetic, and it's mostly pictures to color, even though it's got lots of little words that are supposed to support, and also lots of ideas for tools to soothe, tools to ground, and for increasing self-compassion and all that kind of thing. It took me 10 years to get every word just right, and to work with my artists to get the images to convey healing things. So thank you again, Dr. Lachter. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.